With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Instead of just making something up that you think will go over somebody's head, just, just say, hey, listen, you know, let's explore that together. And maybe two people learn something great. Thank you for downloading another episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. This is episode 127, and today I welcome back JB, Josh Babbitt, from TheHackersParadise.com slash Media. And JB and I uh, talk a lot about some nerdy golf equipment stuff, as we tend to do, but he's a great guest to have on to do exactly that, because he's got some great insight, not only in golf equipment, but just the golf business and, and the industry in general. And folks, every so often, you might have an off day. This was my off day. <laughs> I think you'll notice in the recording that, you know, there's a little bit of a, a couple snafus here and there, but we did our best we could. And I think there's a lot of great conversations still that you're going to enjoy. And certainly pay attention to the entirety of the podcast, because at the end, we hold a contest. So you want to pay attention, because there are some very specific ways that you can get involved in the contest, and you're going to really like the prize as we talk about in the show. So before we get to JB, I just want to remind everyone to support this podcast by going out to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating. Also, write us a review. I take those reviews very seriously, and I appreciate those of you who have left them up to this point. So without much further ado, sit back, relax, enjoy the comedy, because there's a bunch of it. (laughs) And uh, here's our uh, episode and our interview with none other than Mr. Josh Babbitt. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As I said at the top of the show, I am happy to welcome friend of the show, Mr. Uh, Josh Babbitt, JB as I know him from THP Media, on to talk a little bit about uh, new gear and a few other topics that we have queued up. JB, nice to talk to you again. Always happy to be here. Uh, I understand you left my home state for the fine state of Illinois. (laughs) I think that's the first time anyone said Illinois was a fine state. But yes, I was in Orlando uh, this past week learning about new uh, statistical analyses that I can do, uh, which maybe I'll bring to to Golf Unfiltered for the uh, equipment reviews that I do. So it was nice and fun and boring, I'm sure, for uh, anyone other than nerds like me. I'll be honest, I'm bored already. <laughs> so uh, on that topic, though, about equipment, I wanted, uh, JB, you know, you and I talk a lot about uh, stuff on the hackersparadise.com, on the, on the forums about equipment. You and I just kind of text back and forth. But we got a lot of new gear that are uh, rolling out uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I know that we've already seen quite a few things, specifically in the golf ball arena. Uh, our friends at Bridgestone, They've just unveiled a new line of golf balls. Uh, kind of exciting stuff, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I mean, exciting is, is the term that I think some are going to use. Some are going to use confusing. I, it's an interesting time of year because it is release time. What used to be held for the PGA show is now released for the fall by a lot of companies to hit the Sun Belt and golf season in Arizona and Florida and the, and the like. Bridgestone released a new line of golf balls, and... What's been the B330 line for years is now Tor B. 
Interesting stuff too, and I've got a box that I'm actually looking at right now uh, of the uh, of the four new golf balls in the in the line, and you know it's just another take on what I feel is is like you mentioned the B330s. Uh, not really sure what the whole premise was. My understanding is that the name change really has to do with the number of dimples <laughs> that are on the golf ball. They went up from 330 to 336, but. What's really interesting, JB, is that this is all coming in the midst of their biggest player not playing. And that's, of course, Tiger Woods, who, as far as I know until at the time of this recording, was still playing the B330RX, although I suspect he's probably switched to one of the Tour B models. Yeah, he's been playing the B330S, and he's loved that golf ball for a long time, uh, going back to when a similar model they had was the Tour D. Uh, he was a big fan of that. And you are correct. It is the dimple number. There are some differences, though, and I don't mean about the product. The brand, some would say, was built, was built on ball fitting, where you would go live and go meet somebody where you would take some wax with the driver, and they would fit you for the right ball, and you would see a pretty big discrepancy between different balls based on spin and launch and things like that because at compression levels, the ball will launch differently. And by launch, I mean the launch angle immediate, not the peak height of the golf ball. That could change, too. Right. Now, they are going to more of a benefits program to where, you know, they, they instead of having trucks all around the country going out meeting, they've launched a mobile app that's a launch monitor. Uh, you can actually get your own numbers, and it'll tell you what ball is right for you. It, it, surprisingly enough, it's very accurate, although it does need a second person, which I find is a, is a bit cumbersome to use, along with a, an alignment stick and things like that. But... The biggest thing that we're seeing is not about the performance of the golf ball, which in my testing has been fantastic. It's that people are confused because it's a completely different message than we've seen in the past. And Bridgestone as a whole has not done as well as they were in the past. They were the number two golf ball sold for a number of years. Then they were number three, and we shot a video uh, with the director of marketing and some other people there about moving back to number two. And now they're number four. So it's an interesting time for the golf ball world, and it'll be an interesting thing to see how Tor B is received when you know it, it hits stores and people start to put it in play. You know, with the custom ball fitting that you had mentioned, I think that's something that is highly overlooked in a lot of instances for amateur golfers especially. But to your point, making it easy to get custom fit. I mean, Bridgestone tried to do that with that app that you referenced, and yes, you're right, it does become a little cumbersome when you need a second person involved to you know hold the uh, the camera to uh, to watch you uh, hit a golf ball but you know there's at least attempts that are occurring to make this system a little bit easier for the you know the layperson but JB I mean you and I both know and anyone listening to this knows that when you walk into a PGA Superstore or, or any uh, of the existing brick and mortars you're going to see just a flurry of different golf ball options and in my opinion and to touch on the word that you continue to use with being confusing I mean, adding four more models to a what I would say is a brand that's kind of dwindling a little bit in this space. I mean, let's be honest, uh, that that can't help the consumer in any way, can it? That that's an interesting point, and, and one I tend to agree with. Now, I'm going to take a step back and look at their ball fitting when they launched that; and they were doing well. And I'm sitting here drawing on my desk as I talk to you, like anybody <laughs> else can see this, but. Mm-hmm. Um, they had four golf balls. At the time, they had three, but they moved to four with B330RX, B330RXS, B330, and B330S. Now, if you go to a live ball fitting, you have four quadrants where the fitter can fit you into. 
that's a really good thing. They can fit you into one of these four quadrants. The same is still being done. The problem is, is there's no physical touch. There's no connection with that fitter to fit you into one of those quadrants. Hmm. So now it's a regular golfer going in and saying, okay, which one do I, I think I fit at? Which one is better for me? And if I don't see those benefits, am I going to come back? And I'm not sure that this is the right message, but it is a message the other companies have taken. They've just done so with less amount of, of premium golf balls. And, you know, one of the cool things about custom fitting, as you touched on, JB, is the fact that, you know, more companies are trying to stress the importance of this. And this is something that companies have talked about for a long time. But one company in particular, Cleveland Golf, with their new line of the CBX uh, wedges, as well as new irons and drivers, they're, they're really talking a lot about the importance of custom fitting, aren't they? They really are. I was listening to a Golf Unfiltered where you were talking about wedges with them. Mm-hmm and the relaunch of Cleveland and the wedge book and everything, but they have more options than most other companies do with wedges with the new launch of CBX. And it's a good thing to see Cleveland back in the game with a full line of equipment. I think that's something that a lot of people wanted. The CBX, for those who haven't tried it, is a forgiving wedge, and it is, for those who take full swings with their wedges, which is most golf, which are most golfers, noticeably more forgiving than other options with perimeter weighting and a deep CG. But the package, when you lay it down, looks the same as a regular wedge. I think there'll be an education process that takes them some time to get them into people's hands. But after that, I think they have a home run here. You know, the fact that Cleveland wanted to go to a more forgiving wedge type for for players that, you know, don't necessarily know they need forgiveness in a wedge, I think that was a big aha moment for me. Now, I I know you also spoke to John Ray over at Cleveland, and, and you talked about the situation of, you know, a player going into a, a brick-and-mortar shop, grabbing a wedge off the rack, and saying, yep, this looks good. I think I'm going to play this. But not really knowing that, yeah, you can actually get forgiveness out of a wedge. I mean, I don't know about you, but the fact that Cleveland went that route to really just say, you know what, who cares? We're going we're gonna to make a wedge that can be played by a wide range of people. We're going to pay a lot of attention to the way that it looks at a dress, as you just pointed out. And I think this is a huge move for a company that's already well-established as a leader in uh, wedge design. I, I would agree with you. I, it, it is a huge move. I'm hopeful that it pays off because I think innovation, regardless of company name, brings competitiveness. And this is a unique product that I think we've been waiting for for a while. I think players have been waiting for it as well. I mean, you and I were at Cog Hill recently for the THP Championship with budget golf. And I know a lot of those guys are talking a lot about the wedges coming out. And those are the biggest internet golfers I've ever seen. <laughs> we do have a few and it was a great time. And I appreciate you coming out and helping everything. That was a, that was a wonderful weekend at Cog Hill. I'm going to transition as we've been talking about new equipment and not just, I'm not transitioning away from Cleveland, but they did launch a whole new line. They did multiple iron sets, new driver, new fairway woods, it's it's really uh, nice to see the, the company back and doing so in a realm that can fit just about any golfer. Did you find it interesting that there was this huge focus on Srixon, which of course is under the Cleveland Zexio umbrella? They've, they switched back to a full line of clubs. I mean, Cleveland was out of the, the long game for a while. Now they're back, which to your point, and I agree with you, it's a it's a welcome sight to see. Uh, was that surprising at all? Um, 
it's hard for me to say surprising because I've known about it for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people should get confused with the aspect or in the aspect that Strixon's gone because they're not. There will be more Strixon clubs I'm sure of, and they will have a full line. Their line this year was fantastic. I think that there was a chance for Cleveland Golf to come in and without getting too technical, because I, I know a lot of people get bored with that stuff, mm-hmm. Strixon previously, when they released the 545 line of clubs, 745 and 945 overseas, they brought them here, limited edition. They then came back with the 355 line, which was manufactured a little differently, uh, similar in, I don't want to say specs, because that's not really the right word, similar in technology, but a different product. Cleveland will kind of take that place. It'll be a golf equipment line for every golfer. And I don't say that as a knock on the line like, oh, this is for you know the weekend warrior. It's really not. The CBX irons are game improvement irons that veer towards players' irons. Which is interesting because game improvement irons for, you know, the player with the player iron profile with, you know, people who prefer players' irons, these are going to be clubs that are playable by a large number of golfers. And I know we all think that we're great. And I know that we all want to go and play, you know, blades or, or something that maybe is not best for us. But you and I have talked about this. If it makes you happy, play it. And it seems like Cleveland is really kind of, you know, in that same vein, wouldn't you say? I, I would. I've always been the person that if they want to have a technology and education discussion on what's best for them, I'm happy to do that. And if I don't have the information, I can certainly find somebody who can. If they want to play what they make some smile when they pull a club out of the bag. If it adds five strokes to their game or takes strokes off, whatever, that's fine too. I think as long as people are playing golf and enjoying the equipment, that's what should work. Cleveland is taking that approach by that by having a complete line. And if you combine Strixon and Zexio, that is a huge complete line with products for just about any golfer. Actually, I would say without a doubt any golfer and hitting every price point, which I know a lot of people don't talk about, but Prices of clubs, you have to be able to hit every price point as a company. And if you can't, you're going to leave some people out of it. We're seeing that with a lot of different brands, too. I mean, we, PXG comes to mind. Others are having or developing uh, premium sets of clubs to that exact point. you got to hit every price point. You're gonna you have you to, do. You're going to have to hit every demographic. You're going to have to be able to... Uh, to really cater to the largest scope that you can. And to your point, JB, I mean, the fact that you've got these three companies under this large umbrella that make up Cleveland, Strixon, and Zexio, it's just a it's a juggernaut in many ways, which I'm also happy to see them bringing back more Cleveland clubs. And I'm sure that this is going to continue uh, over the next couple of years. You're absolutely right. And when you speak of price points, we've seen that with other brands. Like you mentioned, Callaway came with the Epic line of irons. And they recently came with the Epic Star, which is not a replacement for the Epic. It's a very high premium, lightweight driver that was the Japan model, the number one seller in Japan that they've brought over here. And we're seeing Titleist came out with a full line of irons and and added another one. And the Titleist irons have gone to a more premium level, price-wise anyway. They raised the price on all their irons by $100. It's... just an incredible turn of events, you know? I mean, it's it's a sport that we've talked, and not to get too deep down this rabbit hole, believe me, but it's a sport that we always talk about the cost factor, not only to play the game, but also to be equipped. And we do see a couple price points that are raising, but 
I think what listeners really need to understand is that there's more to this than meets the eye. There's just additional demographics and silos that these companies have to, to hit, and not to mention the different release cycles that occur. I mean, think about it. The new iPhone just was announced. Are you going to hit that uh, iPhone X, uh, JB? You're going to get that? <laughs> no, I don't like the toupee it's got on the top. Yeah, no kidding. But the fact of the matter is there might not be a huge difference between the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 8, but just to draw this analogy, people who have missed that cycle previously, maybe they're still sitting there with an SE, for example, they might want to upgrade to the new thing. And that's kind of how new product development cycles work. And, and not to go back too deep to, to Cleveland there, but that's basically what John Ray said in both of our interviews with the man. He said they're already thinking about release cycles three, four cycles down the road. You're right. And we get caught up because we talk about it daily in, you know, every release, every release and upgrading all the time, as a lot of, of my readers do. And I'm sure your listeners do as well. But the truth is, is the, the average golfer, if you're looking at a curved graph, you will see the early adopters in golf make up five, six, seven percent at the most. Everybody's going to adapt and adopt new equipment at a different time level in its life cycle, so to speak. So what might be replacing your irons 12 months for one person could be three years for another, and a company that can have the freshest gear that meets new technology across the board is the one who's going to win, in my opinion. And you know, let's not forget these are equipment companies. Their goal is to sell equipment. I don't care what any of them tell you. Their goal is to sell equipment. Or I shouldn't say that. Their goal is to make money. Mm. And there, there's nothing wrong with doing that in a lot of different ways, whether that's soft goods, hard goods, you know, buying and selling companies, whatever that may be. But, you know, they are companies at the end. I prefer to see the ones who engage. And, and I like to see that. And I think more companies are starting to engage now than ever before. When we talk about release cycles, the piece of equipment that really gets the focus most of the time are drivers. And we're seeing a ton of new driver ideas coming out. We're seeing, you know, and this is the, the way it goes. You know, by the, by January, we're going to see just a ton of additional uh, press releases coming out. And people are going to see it on Twitter and all these, these other places. But, you know, drivers are certainly still where the money is, I'd have to say. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's the most changed club. So while the margins, I'm sure, are what they are, and different brands have different margins. Uh, it is the club that golfers chase the most, and therefore they're going to replace it the most. So in that aspect, yeah, that that's definitely true. You know, and you mentioned that the, the Callaway, the great big back, great big Bertha Epic Star. I mean, it's just it's more than just another coat of paint. You would think this being gold as opposed to the uh, more popular green on the Epic. There's there's more that goes behind that, and it's it's all of this is kind of related, but. In your mind, JB, what, what would be, as that example, the main difference between the Epic Star versus the Epic? To give you the brief rundown, first of all, the weight is less overall of the entire club. Shaft, head, everything. The weight, the movable weight on the back of the Epic Star weighs less than the movable weight on the back of the Epic. So from that aspect, the, and they've gone with a lightweight grip, the Golf Pride of Japan release only, and a Grand Basara shaft, which for those that don't follow the shaft market, the shaft in the Epic Star alone is about a $400 shaft. Wow. So, you know, the entire package, it's really neat, too, if you haven't seen it, or people will start to see it coming up soon. It's got this soft feel box. It's got, you know, the thing that holds the little wrench is 
pure leather. It's it's just a really neat package overall. It's not going to be a driver that's coming out to replace the Epic, though. It's a driver that was the number one selling model in Japan that is long, light, and super premium. And there's a golfer out there that's looking for that, especially coming in uh, to the golf season in the Sun Belt and areas like that. As we get closer to January, obviously, as I mentioned, we're going to see more releases. We're going to see more big news about the big the big companies coming out with new drivers. The health and the, and the state of the union, so to speak, JB, about you know the driver market. I know we focus a lot on distance. More companies are focusing on just keeping the ball on the fairway. Would you say that it's a healthy market right now for listeners who, who may be in the market to buy a new driver in 2018? Very much so. It's definitely a time to buy a driver. Uh, the choices are vast and can be even overwhelming if you don't have if you're not armed with the right information. Um, fitting is available everywhere. And even if you don't want to get fit, I, I'm a I'm a believer in it, not to the extent of some others, but I am a believer in fitting. Um, but you can find the information to even at the bare minimum self fit yourself more than you've been able to in the past. Mm-hmm. Now is the time as any. And I've we've did a test recently with, and we haven't even published this stuff yet. But we took a driver that was, I, I want to say it's four and a half years old. It might have been five years old, and put it against one of the current models. And we, it wasn't us hitting it. It was people at a local range, the Chichi Rodriguez range in Clearwater, Florida, for those keeping track at home. Thank you to those guys for this. Uh, set up the Foresight GC quad. And the difference in data that is available now, first of all, is amazing for fitting. But the difference in distance, this is off the rack driver versus driver, same loft, is staggering. I mean, these people were getting 16 and 17 yards more carry distance. Which is insane. That's yeah, just I mean, we're, we're not talking 20 years ago to a persimmon wood or even the first. We're talking about like when R7s were released, R7 425s were released mm-hmm. to the Epic and the M1 and the G400. This was a G400 versus an R7 425. And that's a huge, huge gain. It's, it's two clubs for some players. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you're sitting there on the tee box and you're playing a course and let's say in Florida, we work with carry distance a lot more than anything else because we get no roll here Mm -hmm. uh, being at sea level and the ground is softer. So let's say you're playing a course that's 6,500 yards or instead of going that route, we'll go with let's say you're playing a course that the par five par fours are about 400 yards. That's see people seem to flock to that number. So let's just say 400. If you hit it normally 250 and now you're going to hit it either 235 or 265, depending on which number that 250 came from, that's a big difference. You're talking about having an 8 or a 9 iron in or having a 5 iron in or a 6. That's a big, big difference. Couple that with a high-spinning golf ball, for example, that are all the rave. I mean, they always have been. You're going to just score better. You would have to assume you're going to score better. Obviously, you got to make the putt, which is always the biggest but there. But you had mentioned, JB, a little bit about fitting, and, you know, Distance gains. You like my segue there? That was nice. That was really well done. There's there's a lot to be said. I'm one of those guys that would be in the camp of go get fit. Go get fit no matter what. If if this is a good time to buy a driver, go get fit first, in my opinion. Now, I know that's just adding up the price, line, uh, price point there because, you know, it costs money to go get fit. But I recently went through a fitting. Listeners of this show and readers of the site know that. And uh, True Spec Golf... Uh, 
shout out to them. They helped me out a lot with my driver. And you had mentioned 20 yard gains between, you know, the, uh, the R7 and the G400. I got a 15 yard gain, just a different head. I went from an Epic to an Epic Sub-Zero, but nothing changed in terms of my swing. Ball speeds were the same. And as you and I both know, you can't fit to ball speed, right? That's my, my take on it. I've always said you people talk about spin and launch and everything else. You can fit for all that stuff. You cannot fit for ball speed. And in keeping that metric the same, and this one example, and I'm just one man here, but my ball speed stayed the same. I picked up 20 yards. And you just you can't get that unless you actually go and have, you know, under the eye of a, of a certified fitter. But to your point, even without the fitting, people can go into any store now and, and pick up real yardage. It's just Absolutely. a matter of how, how well you can keep that yardage in play. And, and how open-minded you are. There are a lot of people who are brand loyal and this and that, and they don't want to try other products. And that's cool. If, if your product, if your club make you happy, that's all that matters. But if you are open-minded, there are products that can help you. And I'm not saying a specific product because it could be different for every single golfer. Hmm. If you're not, that's okay too. Enjoy the game for what it is. You don't need to say that, you know, oh, everything's the same because it's flat out not. And the perfect example is the people who talk about COR, which isn't used anymore. CT is used now as the USGA limit. It's been the same since 2000-ish. 2001 if that were the case and these rules that have been in place since that time drivers from back then would be going the same distance as drivers now and we both know that that's just crazy talk right right absolutely now speaking of your fitting one of my issues is not with fitting in general because i think it's very important my issue is there needs to be a better system to rate fitters so people can get the better information kind of like there are from club professionals and more so than that, it needs to be at a place where somebody feels comfortable. A lot of people like don't hit as well inside. I'm not a big believer in that. I think a swing is a swing. Mm-hmm. But and they, they they need to fit off of not just the perfect strike. We watched uh, a fitting studio that's real popular. It's a franchise model across the country, and their biggest thing was we watched them do these fittings and. This guy came in and he took 10 swings. They did a lot more than 10 swings. But in this example, he took 10 swings and they took out like five or six of them Mm. because they weren't clean contact. Well, if you're only going to fit for the best shot, that's a problem. Right. Yeah. Because I I know that unlike most of the people on the Internet, me, I don't hit the center all the time. (laughs) You don't say. You don't say. Uh, That's a very good point. And, and, you know, not to turn this into an advertisement for where I went, but – they didn't do that over at TrueSpec. And and to your point, though, about the rating system for different club fitters, the guy that helped me out, Scott, he actually travels around the Midwest. He's actually the Midwest Regional Director, I believe his title is. And so he's not at this location in Chicagoland all the time, but he's phenomenal. Does he fear the murders? <laughs> he dodged it very well. Um but to your point, I mean, there are, unless you make an appointment and fly him in, maybe? I don't know. I mean, this is a guy that played collegiate golf at a very high level. He's extremely good in what he did. I mean, he, he helped me more understand my swing before he touched anything in the fitting so that I could recite back to him what my metrics were saying about my golf swing, which I think is an incredibly important educational opportunity for anyone to just Absolutely. Under, understand why their ball's doing what it's doing. Uh, he's not there all the time. And so 
one of the, have you been fit? You've been fit. Yeah, many. I've been fit on average four to five times a year. And of those times, which is certainly more than the average person would ever do, but of those times, the best fitters that you've experienced, what are the two top qualities that they all shared? Uh, two things. First, communication. And being able to explain exactly what you said, what you're seeing and why, and flat-out knowledge. Hmm. I always feel like a lot of times when people don't have the answer, and this is in life in general. I'm not trying to get deep on people here. We're just talking about golf, not you know curing cancer or anything. Hmm. Um, instead of just making something up that you think will go over somebody's head, just just say, hey, listen, you know, let's explore that together. And maybe two people learn something great. Um, one of the problems that we run into with fitting in general as a, as a word or verb or phrase or whatever you want to call it is a lot of people go to the local driving range or a Dick's Sporting Goods. I'm not singling out Dick's. They just happen to be the biggest sporting goods company. And they throw a couple of tees down on the ground in their little simulator there, hit a couple of balls, and the guy's like, yeah, you should probably go with a stiff. Or you're right on the border of stiff and regular, which is code word, which means you should probably be playing regular. Um <laughs> And that's the that, that they believe that that's fitting, and, and the problem is is it's not. And we've seen companies offer more shaft options now, and different you know Callaway offered different lengths this year mm. for their Fusion to play it shorter if you wanted, and, and so on and so forth. So they're, they're, the options are there, and if you have the knowledge, I believe you can get a lot out of it yourself. If you don't, let an expert help. That's what they're there for. It is, and to your point about not knowing which expert you're getting though, because we don't have a good systematic rating system. Um, what's funny is the week prior to my most recent fitting, I was fit again or previously. And they told me my driver at the time was fine. And then this next fitter said, no, you can't play this driver. You're, it's, it's completely wrong for you. So that just right there gives you some idea of the variance between the products that are available out there. And I will say that the, the previous fitting was at a, a chain uh, that many people would know. And going to true spec and just understand. Does it rhyme with golf tech? <laughs> it might. Uh, okay. It was just. Weird because my, my example I used earlier rhymes with golf tech also. That's, that is interesting, isn't it? And what's even more weird about that, we're getting a little inside baseball here, but what's even more weird about that is that you know who provides the fitting structure and system for golf tech? I do not, actually. True spec. They provided, they provided all of that to them because there was a partnership, yet TrueSpec has their own uh, their own uh, locations that I think are better. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things you mentioned during your fitting was you were talking about how you learned a lot about the ball flight. Now, with you learning that, do you feel as though you would fit yourself next time or would you still go back for another fitting? That's a good question. Um, I would... Hmm. I was about to say I would probably still go get a fitting, but why? You know, and if I put put myself into a situation where, you know what, I want to buy a new driver next year. I don't, but if I wanted to, I've got the information, I've got the specs, I've got my spec sheet in front of me. I mean, why not just go buy used? But then I'm not supporting, you know, my local club pro. I don't know, would you? Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. I say that, but I, I'm a weird case because I have a GC quad, so I can look at that stuff myself. Mm. Um, 
I, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to quantify, and I think that's the biggest reason more people are still not getting fit than others is it, it's hard to quantify. They might get great results in that little lab, and then they step onto the course, and they're like, yeah, I've been in the same spot for the last three years. What's really interesting is more places are offering that validation option. Bring your club back in, the club we fit you for, you can hit it again, and we'll validate that what we told you the first time actually makes sense now. And I know that not everyone does that. I know there's some added costs to that, but... Um, I got to say, I mean, that, that's probably the only way that you can tell that something's actually been improved and not just changed for the sake of making a sale. I would agree there. Here's one other thing that I have that keeps in my mind. Well, there's a lot of reasons that keep people from getting fit. Part of it is people don't like to swing in front of other people. Same reason they don't like getting lessons. But one other thing that stands out to me is when you have club companies that offer so many different shaft options, that dictates that they're telling you you should really get fit. The problem is, as soon as you start looking at that, and there, you look at like uh, the last TaylorMade release, they had you know in the teens different dry, uh, driver shafts available with no upcharge. So I can get any one of those for four ninety nine or three ninety nine or whatever the price of the driver was, or I can go to TrueSpec and get any one of those for seven ninety nine. Mm. So you're paying a, a bigger cost for the same product, and that's tough for people to swallow. It's kind of like if you go to buy a car. Or let's use the iPhone example you used earlier. It would be kind of like going and getting an iPhone and you walk in and let's say for argument's sake, the iPhone costs $1,000 because the one with the toupee I think does. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, I want that one. It's $1,000. Or we'll give you expert training on it right over here so you'll be able to use it a little faster and it's 1300 How many people do you think are going to get the expert training? Probably not many. Yeah, and that's kind of where I see the fitting. And, and it's a real shame. What I think we need to see is there be more synergy inside the industry to make this a, a service that's providable and still cost affordable. Would you be comfortable with less products from your favorite brands being released if they got to a model where your money was was spent on something like you just described, where you would actually be it would be an educational opportunity for you in purchasing clubs, but that means they're going to release new clubs less often. Oh, that's a tough question because I really like new and shiny. I do too. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think no. I think, um, I think most would agree with you probably. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say yes because it seems like the logical and smart thing to do. But, you know, if I am a Lexus driver, and I'm not, but if I was a Lexus driver and Lexus told me, hey, guess what? From now on, we're going to come out with one model only and we're going to release it every other year instead of the 27 models they have now. I don't know. I kind of want to see all 27 models. The fear of missing out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I mean, what if the driver you chose, what if that company said, you know, we're only going to release one driver this year, and you'd be giving up 20 yards? <laughs> well, performance is another question. You know, I mean, it's 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 certainly a valid point. My wife tells me that. <laughs> Oh lordy, I'm not touching that. Um, so we've ended, we've ended, we've gone down this deep rabbit hole. And this is a long show, so uh, yeah. That's... Uh, and, and we've only gotten through half our list, I think. Yeah, you know, I, the only one that's on mine is uh, we want to talk about the CBX wedge. Oh yeah, I well rather than talk about it, why don't we give one away? 
That sounds like a great idea. That's I mean, if somebody's made it this far, shouldn't we reward them with a wedge? <laughs> They've listened to us banter on about uh, just ridiculous uh, club options. Yeah, I mean, so you, we talked up the CBX wedge a little bit early. Obviously, it's very forgiving. Obviously, it looks great down at a dress. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, what's the situation here, JB? What are we going to be well, doing for these folks? I have one sitting here right next to me. It's never been hit. I mean, I have multiple, but this one sitting right next to me never been hit. Still has the plastic on the grip, I believe. It's upside down in a bag, so I can't tell. <laughs> um, we're gonna. We're, you're giving it away, not me. So we'll use your social media feed at Golf Unfiltered on Twitter. Correct at Golf Unfiltered on Twitter. You send him a tweet and say why you want it. And not only will we choose the best tweet, and best is a very subjective term, but we'll read it on air on our next episode. There you go. And this is a chance for you to become internet famous, just like JB. Now, I'm going to give them one out just in case they don't use Twitter. Fair enough. You can send an email to contests at thehackersparadise.com. That's probably good for a good portion of individuals that don't like Twitter. Yeah, so if you don't use Twitter, you can send it to contests at thehackersparadise.com. Just tell us why you want why you want a new CBX wedge. So there you have but it. But otherwise, listeners. you send it to Golf Unfiltered and we will pick a winner. Adam will pick a winner and uh, we will send you out a wedge. No charge, no no shipping, no nothing. Very generous of you, of our friends over at THP Media. Absolutely. This is a great opportunity, folks, to get on the bandwagon with this wedge. And, you know, JB and I talked a lot about it. We talked about a lot of brands. He and I tend to go down those rabbit holes, as we've said. But this is a very – this is a legit piece of golf equipment. I mean, it's gotten a lot of buzz in social. It's an extremely solid wedge. You're going to love it. You're going to absolutely score better with it. JB, I think we've talked well, about it. And this a lot. is a perfect test. It is a perfect they can tell test. Us if, they can tell us if they're going to score better with it, or if it, they do score better with it. Absolutely. And that's just, you know, the whole validation, it comes full circle with you and I. <laughs> so, that's right. All right, man. Well, you know what? We've, uh, we've gone in many different directions. I appreciate you, uh, your patience and coming on tonight, and uh, we'll do it again in the near future. Sounds good. And everybody, make sure you follow Golf Unfiltered and send him a tweet on why you want this wedge. <laughs>